On this episode of the Redmond Report, we talk about my new home, IFA, and a little bit about Windows Redstone that will be arriving next year. This is the Redmond Report. Today is Friday, September 4th, and this is the Redmond Report. So, as we talked on Monday, um, I made a big announcement, at least for me personally, maybe not for everybody else, is that I left Nguyen. Yep, left Nguyen behind after nine years or so, actually a little over nine years. And I'm joining um, Petri, uh, P-E-T-R-I.com, and Therat.com, as you're hopefully aware, because this host, this podcast is now being hosted on that site. And so there's a lot of questions that came about, and I'll try to introduce myself because I know where there's going to be a lot of new people coming um, as Paul tweets this out and being hosted on his site. And it's a little bit different than things in the past. So who am I? I my name is, um, let's see, Brad Sams, and I have been covering Microsoft for um, nine years or so, and I ran Nguyen for about four or five years. And um, a lot of good scoops over there that I've posted, things uh, most notably and most recently, things about Redstone. Um, I broke the news about that and a bunch about Surface Mini and a bunch of Surface stuff and just a whole bunch of other things over the years. And I'm bringing all that goodness over to Petri and Throt. And the reason why I'm joining these guys is, one, um, Paul convinced me. So Paul is the reason. So I blame Paul for everything, um, as I usually do. But the other reason, too, is that it's it's a new role for me. So I'm the executive editor of Petri, and I can write on Throt, and I can write on Petri, and I'm helping drive strategy. And we're going to be doing a lot of fun things, and there's also, um, they have a lot of diverse revenue streams, and they're not just purely an advertising company. It, it, Petri does a lot more than that, and it's going to be more a chance to be on stage. Uh, this morning, if you saw, I was on Twit as well. And while the sites need some love, and that's actually how the conversation started with these guys, was they, um, the owner... Uh, came to me and we were talking about what I would change and I pretty much said the thing you have going for you is you have excellent content on Petri and throughout you have great content but your your layout is not good your social strategy is not good and there's a lot of things you could be doing and so that's my job now is they brought me on and I'm going to help change some of these things and we're going to refresh the design over time we'll do some small tweaks at first before we tear it down and rebuild it up redo the advertising redo social strategy and we've already made some changes, not that you can see on the front end, but on the back end, some things have already been changed. And it's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of work, but, um, you know, work is a good thing, especially if you love what you're doing. And it gives me a really, really solid foundation and um, a lot of resources between the two. And, and I get to work with Paul. So Paul's been a good friend for many years. And that's why I left. It was not anything bad towards Neowin, but it was just time. It was time to take on a new challenge and build up new brands. And Petri and Therat, which are housed under the Blue Whale Web brand, um, they're a growing entity, and it's they're not done growing. I, I think there's going to be room for more verticals here soon. And all of this was just a really enticing offer, right time, right place, and just it was time. So I made the move, um, big change for me personally. It took many weeks to, to fully wrap everything up and you should still read Neowin and you should, you should read what I'm writing now and read what Paul's writing and everybody's, there's plenty of room, right? I mean, clicks are free is the way I think of it. So it doesn't cost you anything to go anywhere else. And I appreciate you reading and following along. So that's kind of who I am. That's why I jumped ship and I'm joining Paul and we're just gonna build things bigger and better and do things faster and, um, yeah, it, it, it's 
it was time, I think. Um, I got comfortable at Neowin, which and I, I'm terrible at being comfortable. And so this gives me a new opportunity to explore my boundaries. And I'm going to be doing a little bit more enterprise writing now, which I've always enjoyed. I'm also going to be doing enterprise presentations in front of large groups like that. And uh, yeah, so that's enough banter because nobody really cares other than me. But um, that's that's kind of the gist of it. And, um, you know, new challenge, new adventures. So let's get back into the business of the fun stuff that I really like talking about. And that's Microsoft. And so Microsoft had its IFA conference today, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But during this, they announced that there are 7 million insiders. 7 million. And what I would be curious to know about these 7 million insiders is actually how many installs that accounts for. Um, for me personally, I'm, I know I'm a, a bit of an outlier, but I'm an insider, and I have eight machines running Windows 10 insider builds. So when they don't put an ISO out, it's a big pain in the, in the butt trying to upload everything or update everything. But um, I would be curious how many installs, because I would imagine that there's quite a few people out there that have a couple. You know, you, you might throw one in a VM, you might want to throw it on your Surface or your personal laptop eventually. But I would actually be really, really curious to see how many people or how many installs that 7 million accounts for and how many of those insiders are active. I'm assuming that is an active number because you actually have to pull yourself out of the program if you do not want to receive the builds. So 7 million is a great number. I mean, that's 7 million beta testers who are testing out patches and the like. Uh, maybe not always patches, but at least new features and whatnot before they hit the mainstream. So Microsoft obviously loves that number because that gives you gives them more telemetry than they could ever get internally, even though they have you know their systems system based setups where they can test all the different configurations. But it's hard to have every single one. It's just not possible. So seven million of them. That's um, that's really really good. So as good things to life writes in the the chat here, uh, he says he has three personally. Mahidi says he has two. So I'm thinking that. That seven million figure likely represents um, at least probably fourteen million, maybe instances. I think that might even be a bit conservative, but um, I think if you average it out, there's going to be a couple. I mean, VM VMs count, I would assume as well. So, oh, VMs, man, I have so many of the the VMs, probably one for each build. But um, I know on at least hardware, I'm looking at at least eight installs. So. Yeah, 7 million is a good number. And when I was at Microsoft last week, they actually announced that um, they announced Microsoft has said that there's 75 million Windows 10 installs. I can tell you that number is quite a bit higher now. I, I believe it's around 80 million. If it might even be actually a little bit higher. I haven't checked in a couple days, but I, I believe it's crossed the 80 million um, figure now. And they said of their 75 they announced at the time, 1.5 million are on enterprise machines. And they describe this number as unprecedented. The reason why they say that's unprecedented is for a couple reasons. One, that was 1.5 million machines running the enterprise SKU, which they said at the time you can only get through software assur uh, software assurance, but you can actually go and download a 90-day trial, although I, I don't think there's that many people who actually do that 90-day um, trial, but that's technically still possible. 1.5 million. What I would be really curious to know is how many of those are actually just not testing. I would imagine that there's quite a few uh, companies out there just saying, hey, let's throw Windows 10 on a machine and see what happens. The real figure comes from 
as somebody writes, Philly Herbs writes, I'm running about 10 copies of Enterprise in my home lab. So there you go. So 1.5 million might be a bit inflated. But the reason why they were so excited about the number is they said that was the highest adoption rate they've ever seen in the Enterprise in such a short period. Which is good because we don't want, for security reasons, just for consumer reasons, we don't want the industry to sit around like they did with XP. We don't want them to get stuck on Windows 7. We want them to move to Windows 10 so that you get the same features at home as you do at work. And Bank of America has already said that they are going to move to Windows 10 as quickly as possible and that going from 7 to 10 is a lot easier than going from, say, XP to 7. So that's a really good good figure for them. They were very happy with it, and they're saying that their customers are quite excited. What will be interesting to see is when these companies actually roll it out because it's not just a simple push a button and it, and it's deployed on you know 10,000 machines. Well, I guess technically it is, but you don't want to do that because you've got a lot of it you want to do in phases and blah, blah, blah. So it would be curious to see how long it takes that number to really jump um, in volume. But I don't think it's going to be... It, I don't think we're going to get in the same situation where we have Windows XP sitting around for um, 15 years again. Well, whatever, 13 years, whatever it was. So... Yeah, so that's the 1.5 million number, and also came out because because of it's the first of the month um, surpassed this week. Is that Windows 10 is on about five percent um, of of machines. Now it's important to know that when they say five percent of machines, that's five percent of machines that can actually connect to the web. So obviously they can't get machines that aren't connecting to the web, and it's sampled and all that stuff. But still, five percent is pretty good. And I, I would take that to mean that people really did take the free upgrade. Um, I've heard some actual bad stories of people who accidentally took it. Their parents took it. They clicked, just clicked through and they said, oh, it's Microsoft. They're just giving me something. It's probably a service pack and just kept clicking next. And all of a sudden they're on Windows 10. But um, yeah, 5% of PCs, that's pretty good. So next month will be, will be quite interesting as well because... I wouldn't be surprised to be honest if that number it's not going to jump if it jumps to 10% I would be amazed I would I really would be but I think it's going to slow down a bit because we've had a month now of the rollouts of the free updates and obviously they can't keep the same um, rate of installs so I would expect that number to slow down I think 6% is probably a good number 7% 7 to 7.5% would be what Wall Street calls meeting expectations um, we'll see. We'll see. We've got a few weeks to figure this out, and uh, once they get some better feedback about how much uh, the installs have climbed from the 75 million number, then we should have a better picture of what to expect. Because, well, I guess it's pretty easy. If they go from 75 to 150 million, which would be a phenomenal uh, first couple weeks or for first two months, then yeah, then they would double. So I guess we can do the math kind of that way. So that's cool. So we'll, uh, I'll keep an eye on that. And what else came out this week? So this has been an interesting week. Microsoft announced that an Xbox One Elite bundle costs 500 bucks, comes with the uh, Elite controller, which I should have my hands on here in a little bit. One terabyte of hybrid storage. It's not full SSD. I, don't, I can't remember how much of it actually was solid state. But the interesting thing is, is that um, I really hope that it does improve the performance because, it, and I say this with a caveat, I hope Windows 10, when it comes out, improves, import, improves the performance because I was playing Destiny last night. I'm getting ready for the Taken King that's coming out soon. 
And when you're in the game and you want to pull up your friends list and invite somebody to a party chat, holy crap, it's, a, it's still a terrible laggy experience. I don't know what Microsoft is doing. I, I really, I'm guessing that they just said, okay, well, we're gonna abandon this um, framework or whatever they used to build. I think it's built on Windows 8. But with Windows 10, I'm guessing that they had to do a lot of under the hood stuff and all that to get everything ready. And I'm really, really, really hoping we see some performance improvement here because it's, frankly, it's bad. It, don't get me wrong, I love my Xbox One and I play Xbox just about every day. And I, I don't wanna say the console's bad, but the experience of the party integration and inviting friends into a room while playing a game is not good. It, it's really not good. Xbox 360 did it better. Um, if they can get the performance down, that'll help. So let's just hope that Windows 10, when it arrives, it should be arriving this month. I think they said they were gonna try to do it for those who are in the insider program for Xbox. Should be arriving this month. And then there'll be um, several weeks of testing going ahead. And after that, then it will roll out to everybody. So I will be very curious to see how this plays out. But um, yeah, let's hope that the Windows 10 really improves the performance. Okay, so on to IFA. Um, if you're not familiar, IFA is how most people pronounce it. I call it IFA. Um, occurred this week. And Microsoft is calling me for some reason. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Possibly related to the call. Generally, if you bash what they do online, they will call you and um, talk to you um, about what you said. But anyways, so I will call them back later. I don't want to answer that on the show. That would be interesting. But anyway, so IFA uh, happened, and it was really boring. <laughs> like, and, I, and I'm referring to their keynote that happened this morning. Paul and I and um, Mike from Twit, we, you know, we did live commentary, and there was nothing to commentary about. It, it was just, it was poorly done. I, now, I don't fault Microsoft for the camera work. I believe this is an IFA-related item. But what they did was they did, essentially, if you watch the window, or Worldwide Partner Conference earlier this year, was it in July? And they had a guy named Brian, Brian Roper, I believe. He's a great individual, a very good presenter. But he did the almost to the T, the exact same presentation on stage at IFA as he did there. So you missed nothing. And it was even worse than you missed it because what it was, it was the camera was just locked on him. And you couldn't see the screen he was looking at. Like they didn't do like a side-by-side -side where it's like one side is um, the windows, this, you know, Windows 10, the other side is him touching things. No, it was literally just him. And we stared at the back of laptop lids for probably 10 to 15 minutes. And it was, you couldn't get anything out of it. And not to mention that it was all old content. There was nothing new. They didn't even give us a new 75 million number. They just said, yeah, still 75 million. They couldn't, they really offered nothing other than the 7 million um, insiders. So if you have the opportunity to rewatch the IFA uh, keynote, don't just, just save yourself the whatever time and you did not miss anything. There was one Toshiba prototype shown off at the very, very, very end that was new, but they didn't even tell us a name. Yes, as, as the comments point out, there was no name for it. It's still a prototype. Everything else had been shown off. No specs either for any for that uh, Toshiba thing. It was just like, okay, here it is. And it, it's, it was just a tablet with an external keyboard. Now, the biggest difference was is it was like a metal keyboard and it 
um, the tablet sat in like a channel, um, but it did not look like a good clamshell in any way. It, would, it honestly just looked like a very nice matching Bluetooth keyboard probably. And they showed it for five seconds and that was about it. You, there were no phones. Um, a lot of us were expecting OEMs to show off uh, like Samsung or Blue or Acer or Asus. I guess uh, one of them did. Acer did show it off earlier in the week. But at the keynote, there was nothing, nothing talking about phones. Um, which leads me to the point of that there was nothing announced, that there was a very bad article that went out this week. And it, a lot of us were joking kind of behind the Twitter, if you want to call it. Uh, it was I'll even, it was out on Business Insider that said what to expect from Microsoft's keynote, and they listed crazy things like the Surface Pro Four. They said the City Man and Talkman. Um, they even talked about Xbox stuff, and then the article was updated later, and then said, "Oh wait, no, we think all this is coming in October." Um, yeah, so just be be conscious of where you read things. This is why I joined Paul's because I think we both have very rational. Um, some people will say Paul's a little irrational, and. I, whatever paul's paul and I, I will talk bad about him when it's rightfully so and he will do the same for me we're, we're both very independent people but it's paul and i take very seriously writing something that we will talk about things i will talk about things on the on the redmond report that i'm not ready to write about yet but i'm hearing and when, once we write something we consider that to be it in stone and so if you write something like crazy as this but um it was just a really bad post, and I felt I actually know the writer, and I don't want to say his name. Um, and I can't, I just can't believe they would write this without any other reasoning other than clicks. I really can't because everybody who has any sort of insight has been saying October, October is when things are going to come, and then all of a sudden. This article comes out, and then everyone's like tweeting and, and messaging me. I got, I legitimately got a couple emails that says, "Brad, are they going to talk about the Service Pro 4 on Friday?" And I said, "No way, no way are they going to do this." And they said, "Well, this guy thinks they are." I'm like, "They're not going to talk about it." Microsoft has, has rightfully so, hosted their own keynotes. That's just what they do. They, they are a big enough entity. They draw a large enough crowd. They host their own keynotes. So, yes. Um, Microsoft is Microsoft. It, it's they're not going to use IFA to announce anything significant like that. So, yeah. So just kind of keep that in mind. But what did get announced this week is that Acer said that they have, I believe it's called the Jade Primo or Primo. And what's interesting about this is that they are now they were um, they were talking about Continuum in here. And so we know that Continuum is, is a feature of Windows 10 Mobile, but it's good to see that other vendors are starting to look at Continuum and say, hey, that's that's a pretty legitimate offering. And so the Jade, I'm just going to call it the Primo, just because I like Jade Primo rather than Primo, is is offering this. And they actually showed a dock on stage, and we'll talk more about the dock here in a second. But yeah, they showed off a dock. They showed off basically the whole kit and caboodle. They showed off the phone, the dock, the continuum experience, and they showed how Windows Phone, and I'm, I love this part, is the PC in your pocket. The reason why I love this and I, is because we've gone completely full circle. At one point, it was called Windows Mobile, and then it went to Windows Phone, and now we're back to Windows Mobile. And those Windows Mobile devices many, many years ago were called pocket PCs. And here we are again calling them pocket PCs. 
it's the whole marketing thing it's like they went back and said oh you know what that kind of made sense and then um <laughs> so they're just redoing that marketing effort and so yeah so this phone they they uh the reported specs are 21 megapixel camera a dual led flash super amled 5.5 inch display and is powered by a qualcomm 808 snapdragon processor and that's about all we know we didn't get a release date we didn't get um pricing and there's kind of mixed reports about their when it will arrive so yeah that's uh that was a phone that was announced and it's windows 10 mobile yes it is as ryan points out it is windows 10 mobile or not windows mobile but it's windows mobile is the point because it's yeah anyways that's um that's the way the, the cookie crumbles or whatever you want to call it so this week um i was actually my first post <clears throat> over on throt was the new continuum dock and so this is Microsoft's actual product, not the one that Acer showed off. The one that they showed off, the phone like stuck into at the top, and that is not what Microsoft's look like. Um, so I can I wrote about this on throughout as my first post, but I'm I'm looking at it right now, and there's three USB ports. So it's what it is. It's like a little square sized um, puck. I mean, it's it's rounded, squared. And actually, if you go to the throughout.com post, you will see in the image at the top um, a. A vertical view of it you can't really see the ports but on the back there's three USB one of the USB is powered and then there's also USB-C and let me and I believe that's for power in so what you'll do on the back of it is you'll plug a USB-C port in or a cord in that will come from I'm assuming a wall outlet and then you'll have two options for video out uh, display port and HDMI and then up above that on the back of it you have three USB USB ports. I'm assuming they're USB 3.0. I don't know why they wouldn't be, but I don't know. I mean, Microsoft, I guess, cost saving or something. And then the front of the device just has a USB-C in. So you just plug your phone into this little dock, and then it has the video out options that you would need. And it's full-size HDMI and full-size DisplayPort, by the way. It's not the, the mini stuff. And yeah, and there's a little Microsoft logo on the top of it, and it looks like it's made out of black plastic or gray plastic, and the top of it's black. And it should be a little device, little companion that goes um, that goes with it. It's codenamed Munchkin, uh, so that name might be floating around. If you hear of a profile called Munchkin, this is what it is. And yeah, it's just a little dock. There's a little light on the front, very very tiny light. And so yeah, you just plug it in and then you get the continuum experience, your phone charges. And the reason why they have three USB ports is not everybody has a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard. So then you can plug in a mouse and keyboard. Um, somebody said it's very quiet through my phone speaker. If anybody else is having trouble hearing, let me know. But it's um, three USB ports so you can plug in your mouse, you can plug in your keyboard, and then you also have another one open, which would be nice for things like a USB drive or if, if you have some other sort of peripheral that you need to plug in. But you can actually tell that Microsoft put some thought into that because it's okay, keyboard, mouse, and something. So you're not, you're not USB abandoned by any means with this, with this peripheral. And I'll be really curious to see how well it works. I, I would imagine it works great. I've already used a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard with Windows 10 Mobile, so I don't imagine why this would be any different. So yeah, that's the Munchkin dock. Expect that to come later this year. I think I heard rumored pricing was around 100 bucks, which seems a bit steep to me, to be honest. So I'm hoping that is not true. 
any info on camera tech 1520 carryover? Oh, from, I'm assuming for the City Man and Talkman? Um, I would imagine so. I mean, it is Microsoft. They, they paid a bunch of money for it. But I, I haven't seen all of the marketing material yet about the camera. And once I do, I will, I will definitely let you guys know. Uh, but other things that they've got going on now, moving on from the Continuum Doc, Lenovo. Lenovo, what is going on with these guys? So the Lenovo Mix MIIX 700 is essentially a Surface. I mean, it looks exactly like a Surface. Now, they do have their own kind of hinge on the back. It's a little bit different than the Surface. But imagine a Surface with two USB ports on it, same size, Lenovo logo, and new processors. That's the key here. So that's what's kind of cool about this is I, I actually asked Microsoft and they said no comment. Um, if they let Lenovo borrow their Surface Pro 3 design, I, I said very bluntly, are you allowing your OEMs to use your designs to create their own hardware? And they, they just, they would not comment on it. Um, yeah, one of the weird things about the Lenovo Mix is it does have support for Windows Hello, except the RealSense camera is on the back. So it's pointed outward. And I think it's Peter Bright and I were talking about this. Another thing we can think of is so it can take 3D images of a room. So imagine I, like if you're using this in a warehouse or something, you might want it on the back. But it does have technically support for Windows Hello, but it's on the back of the device, which... I don't know, until these things get out into the hands of the public and not and outside of the little confined showrooms, then um, then we'll have to figure it out. Oh, somebody pointed out, yes, I do need to change the sidebar here. I've got a lot of branding things to update. I didn't realize how many different places I had put that, but over nine years, it did take some time. But anyways, the Lenovo Mix, it, it does have two USB ports and baffling one of them is USB 2.0. Why would, I don't get why you would include a USB 2.0. I understand it's cost savings, but it's like, it, it instantly says you're cutting corners and it's, everything should be USB 3.0. It can't be too much more money. I mean, it's gotta be just a couple bucks per unit. But I guess in the OEM world where margins are sub, I don't know, 1% or whatever. But it's great. Don't get me wrong. They have an extra USB port, which is fantastic, which is one of the things I said the Surface Pro 3 needed. Because if you plug in a flash drive or anything, then you're without one. But it has a USB 2.0 and 1.0 and 1.3.0, whatever. So that's... That's it. I don't know. It, it should be out soon. Um, it's worth taking a look at. I mean, if you're in the market for Surface Pro 3, it, it's definitely worth keeping your eye on. I would, if you're in the market for Surface Pro 3, unless cost is a big prohibitor, I would wait until the Pro 4 comes out. You don't have to wait too much longer and you'll get a longer lasting machine, but you will pay more money for it. So yeah, that's uh, coming. Keep your eyes on that. And what else is happening in the world of Surface? So, Surface 3 LTE has been delayed until September 19th. I don't, I don't understand what Microsoft's strategy here, here is. It's been, what, six months, roughly, since the Surface 3 came out? So, yeah. So the company... <laughs> I don't get this stuff. So they announced the Surface 3, and they said, yeah, it's coming with LTE. And at the time, they said it's going to be open, and, LT, and like Verizon, and AT&T, and T-Mobile, and everybody's going to be selling it. And then when it came down to it, it only looked like... Uh, AT&T was actually offering it, but you could probably still buy it from the Surface Store or the Microsoft Store unlocked. And 
Yeah, as Good Things Life points out, it's probably something to do with the carriers, but I don't understand why it's been delayed, why it takes so long to get something from to announced to coming out. I mean, it's one thing to announce it and then ship all the products at the same time, but I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why it's waiting so long for the Surface 3 LTE to come out. It seems kind of a, a misstep on Microsoft's part, and they did have some delay, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a justifiable reason, but I really can't come up with one. It's, yeah, as the Zeni points out, or as Zeni points out, it's the approval process in quotation or some other lame excuse. I don't, they should have, like when they announced the Surface Pro, Surface 3, they should have said, okay, here it is. And then next week it's going to be um, on carriers or whatever, you know, if they need a week or even a couple week delay, that's fine. But six months, six months, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I can't. Uh, I, I, I can't justify or think of an, a logical explanation as to why this would ha- occur. But that's the reality of Microsoft. It's they're always a little bit head scratching. Always. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I'm running through the logic of why you'd want like some sort of press thing, but it doesn't make any sense because people are going to want the Surface Three with LTE, and they're not going to say, "Oh, we're just going to wait for it." Um, I don't know. If somebody has a really good explanation, have at it. Right. Your guess is as good as mine. So anyways, on to, and this is kind of wrapping up here. I don't, For those of you who are new to the show, I don't like to ramble on to things just to ramble on half hours long enough. Try to keep it somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes. Um, but I did give a little teaser about Redstone. So I actually found some documents that I might post here soon. Uh, from Microsoft of all places that talked about Redstone um, to an extent and things that are being considered for inclusion and one of the things that are actually in the process is so going back for a second Microsoft wants to create hubs they want to be the hub of everything right they going into the virtual reality world they want to be the hub of like um, Oculus Rift and those things and the HTC Vive I think is what it's called or whatever they want Windows 10 to be what powers that when it comes to health they want the Microsoft Health to be the center of all that stuff and they want the same thing with Windows 10 they want Windows 10 to be the hub of IoT and so this is where Redstone comes in Redstone is going to include or at least it's targeted on paper um, looking at bringing some more IoT features to Windows 10 and so that's what they're thinking for Redstone, at least one aspect, it's not all inclusive. Please don't write a headline that says Windows 10 is only about IoT because that is not true. Um, there are some other things in the works, but they want Windows 10 to be the, the hub of your IoT devices, right? And IoT, and if we're not familiar with that, is Internet of Things, which means stuff like light bulbs and all the other good stuff. Like if you have a doorbell, I've seen they have light bulbs, they have anything, anything that connects to the internet can be IoT that was traditionally not your thermostat, um, your smoke alarms. And they want Windows 10 to be the hub. And right now, there isn't a great way to do that with Windows 10. So look for Redstone to improve some of that functionality and bring it closer to the masses. So that's kind of the intent, and that was what I was hinting at too, and I talked about it earlier when we were not talking about IFA because it was quite literally a snooze fest from Microsoft. So. Yeah, so there you go. That is what's coming with Redstone, and I'll have some more on Redstone here hopefully soon. Um, So, yeah, 
it should be good. So today is September 4th. We had IFA. We got a little bit of redstone. We got a new domain over on Petri.com and Throt.com. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at BDSams. This has been the Redmond Report. Thanks for listening.